Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. to the Kelly Green Hour on this Friday afternoon in, as we approach week 18 in the National Football League where your Philadelphia Eagles are still one win away, or if they lose, a lot of help away from clinching the number one seed in the NFC East, something we thought would have been done a couple of weeks ago. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Now this week, we didn't do our typical Tuesday show. We didn't feel that it would have been appropriate after the uh, events that took place in Cincinnati on, mon- on Monday night with DeMar Hamlin. Um, I don't know how Connor feels, but as somebody who played football in high school, covered football in college, played semi-pro football, like I don't know Hamlin personally. I don't know any professional f- athletes personally, but that could have been me playing playing outside, playing on a, on a, on a Saturday. It, it, it looked like your normal <clears throat> um, tackle um, going after when, when Hamlin was going after T. Higgins, just got hit in – a one in a one in one million chance. Let's be real. The way where Hamlin got hit that caused the, the the cardiac arrest. And as a show, we did not feel that it would have been appropriate. I don't know how we would have been able to come on that Tuesday evening and talk about the Eagles Saints. It just wouldn't have felt right. Um, we are pleased with all the positive reports coming out of um, the University of Cincinnati Cincinnati Hospital. The tube is out of Demar Hamlin. He's talking to his family. He had a FaceTime with the team. So. Things are definitely progressing in the right way. And, you know, just in the mentality in which football players have, the first question when he woke up was, did we win? And you got to love the the answer the doctors gave. Yeah, you won. You won the game of life. So, you know, everything that went down, um, you know, Monday night, Connor, it just didn't feel right coming on here and talking football. It it, it wasn't the right time. And I'm glad we were able to take a couple of days away and, you know, whatever respect that we were given towards Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills, I'm glad we were able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, we both talked that next morning and we said everybody's minds are going to be elsewhere. There's no need to talk about football right now. There's just, you know, and and out of respect for the entire situation, we are also not going to do our usual uh, player of the week. Um, because the week never completed. And with respect to that, we just don't feel it fair to to do that either. We're just going to talk Eagles. And I'm just, ha- I agree, I'm happy with all the great news that has come out. It has opened up a ton of different conversation about how the NFL should handle things going forward, how the NFL should handle contracts. I just watched, listened to a very interesting conversation about full begin the concept of fully guaranteeing contracts. <clears throat> Um, that could be a discussion that comes up and I think the, what they're probably four years away now because they just got a fresh new deal done, but they may be four years away, but these are things that are not going to be forgotten anytime soon and will be remembered when the time rolls around between the players association and the league to renegotiate and re-up everything that's going on. So it's opened up a lot of different discussions and 
both for positive and negative reasons. But the great thing is DeMar Hamlin is still with us. Hopefully he continues to stay that way, gets on the mend. And this isn't one of those situations where you say you want to see him back on a football field, but this is one of the situations where you want to see him be a part of that organization. I mean, it's, it's huge. Look at his charity. That's such a happy thing that came out of it. The charity for uh, raising uh, money for kids toys at Christmas has with a goal of 2,500 now has $7 million in it. Like his story is inspir is going to be inspirational and he should be a part of the NFL, if not the Buffalo bills organization for a very long time. So we are happy and, and excited for all this great news. And a lot of credit out to the doctor that performed CPR realized what was going on right away. And he was, you know, they performed CPR on Hamlin on the field for nine minutes. So like, and, and credit also goes to Zach Taylor and, and um, Sean McDermott because McDermott's first thing he says, I, I should be at the hospital. I can't coach this game. And it, it's it's true. And, you know, I don't know what reports were – what reports are true. I mean, Joe Buck said, you know, the players were told they're going to be given five minutes to, to get ready to go back and play the game. But uh, we don't know what's true and whatnot. Troy Vincent said that that was never said. But obviously, you know, somebody's saying something, somebody else is saying another thing. But just, you know – every all the all the thing all the stuff that you've been put like for for the doctors that they they've trained for they studied for had to be put on had to be put to display right away and and they didn't fail and that's the reason why hamlin is is, is alive now is going to have his going to be able to live his life um presumably going forward which which is good i mean and if you think about it there's there's other stories at the eagles saints game a, a guy a doctor who was in the mummers parade was at the game and save somebody's life who was who in the stands. Now that that doesn't that hasn't gotten as much notoriety um, because it's not a professional athlete. But you know you know Darius Slay's um, wife you know reached out to the person and, and is having the, per the the doctor and the nurse that helped go to the game this Sunday with her because of their you know generous. That's we we sit here and say it can be a random act of kindness. It's just being a being a human being. You see somebody that's hunched over, somebody that's turning blue and you're going to go and do what you can to help them. And fortunately for this person that, that was passed out or this person that, that wasn't in the right, wasn't in the right, I don't want to say right mindset. It doesn't sound right, but just wasn't healthy at the time. Like there was a doctor, there was a nurse there sitting in their section. Um, and was able to help them out. Um, Peyton Hillis say is, is in ICU right now. He saved this kids on a, I think it was like on a beach or on a boat, at something like that. So yeah. like, it's it's not just Demar Hamlin, and obviously we know his story because it was front and center, nationally televised game, Monday Night Football. But it happens all the time. So all the people, all these people that go out there and give it their all, and 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 do what they've been trained, but and don't do it for notoriety and whatnot, they deserve all the credit in the world as well. Absolutely. I mean, for all the for the big thing that mostly all you see is criticism of fans and videos of fighting and yelling in the stands there is probably some of those events or moments happening in the stands almost every game outside of the stadiums almost every game uh every day these th these situations or where someone has to jump into action who may not be in the moment have to be involved in that action do they do heroic things do things noteworthy and story worthy things so 
of course, we are happy that everything has has come to fruition and all the the great stories that have come of it and everything and all the great discussion that's going to come of it. This is it's all 100 percent positive. But now I feel like, uh, you know, we have another job to do right now and it's not as fun. Talking about the Eagles Saints game, I guess we can talk about that. But before we continue, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Greenow or follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJ 54 Follow the Payment Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Payment Lines. And follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And if you're joining us live and we know it's earlier than normal, um, you know, let us know your thoughts on the Eagles Saints game, the upcoming Eagles Giants game, the DeMar Hamlin uh, situation, everything that went down. Uh, let us know your thoughts and how everything um, has 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 gone down all week. And, and like I said, we're at a positive because Hamlin is is alive. Hamlin is talking. Hamlin FaceTime teammates. So that helps the Bills out as well. And obviously we know that like it's going to be the first time since I think 1935 that all the teams in the league have played the same amount of games because they're they're ruling the Bills-Bengals uh, game as a no contest. So that could throw things out of whack in the AFC in terms of seeding and and whatnot and the potential of the the AFC championship game being played at a neutral site, which I don't know if that's ever happened before. Um, But yeah, so that Eagles saints game. So I think a lot of flack is being thrown at the defense because of the first drive, because every week it seems like Gannon gets really soft, plays a soft zone, allows the opposing offense to go down the field like a hot knife through butter and score right away. And that's, and and look, the defense did not play bad. After that first drive, the defense was really good, but everybody sees what happens right away, sees what happens first. And they're like, what the hell? So I think that is why Gannon and I, and and look, after that first drive, after that first quarter, I even put in our our group chat. I said that Gannon is going to be the reason why the Eagles don't go to the Super Bowl. Um, and, and did I expect the Eagles offense to not do anything? No, I mean, especially after what they did against Dallas, I thought they'd be able to put points against the Saints. Dallas is supposed to be a better defense than Saints. So if, if Minshew didn't get touched by, by Micah Parsons, DeMarco Lawrence, Marcus Lawrence, and that defensive line by Dallas, what makes you think that the Saints defensive line is going to be able to get to them? And they got to them, what, six times, seven times? So Jalen Hurts is coming back at the right time. I don't know if he's 100%, but they need him back. They need that spark. And, and after all the talk, you could hear A.J. Brown. He didn't come here to play with Gardner Minshew. He came here to play with, with, with Jalen Hurts. And he is excited. And I think that Jalen Hurts is definitely going to provide a boost to the offense this week. Oh, it goes without saying. Even in the Cowboys game, and I get it, people are going to point the finger at Quez Watkins and stuff. That D, that offense put up 34, and it could have easily been close to 50 points. There's yeah. definitely some circumstances that came up in that game that were not great. And we're also on the fact that, yes, was Quez Watkins a little soft on those two interceptions? Yes. Would Jalen Hurts have put Quez Watkins in that situation? Highly doubtful. Gardner Minshew, he showed it last week, too. He's willing to throw into some tight windows. He can make the play sometimes but he makes a play a lot less than any other quarterback and at the end of the day there's a lot of people saying Minshew lost his starting job our chance at starting job I don't think he was gonna go and get a starting job I think he's a better backup quarterback but it's proven why he's a backup quarterback and why he is a better backup quarterback and to Chris Sims who's now all butthurt about the comment that he made and he thinks people are making too much of it just don't make the damn comments then yeah. plain and simple. And you, you kind of knew, we knew it going in, 
one of the biggest things working against the Eagles with Minshew was it took away a major advantage, a major dimension to their team, which was Jalen Hurts and his legs. And we can tell whether it be Shane Steichen's play calling that's a problem or whether it be the fact that teams are stacking the box more or are more open to bringing more men down the field a bit. It's really difficult to tell what it is, but they're not using Miles Sanders the same. Miles Sanders is equally effective in the limited touches, but it's starting to feel a lot like maybe it's Jalen Hurts not being there. Shane Steichen's a little more afraid to run the football or he thinks that that dimension isn't going to work as well. But honestly... Miles Sanders, he went 12 carries for 61 yards. He was over five yards per carry. Like, he's been extremely effective. And the concept that they're not willing to hand the ball off, it kind of blows my mind because the Saints don't saints were are actually not a very good run defense the saints and the cowboys we talked about it on the preview show they were side by side i think 20 and 21 or something like right in the middle of the pack giving up 130 ish yards per game on the ground and then you go and miles sanders puts up 61 but with eight more carries he's a hundred yard rusher maybe even more because with eight more carries he's bound to bust off one of those patented 20 25 yard runs that he pulls out of his pocket or a couple of them every game so We knew this going into these two games that one of the biggest advantages we lost was the ability to have the run, to have the pass, and have the option, whether that option be a handoff or whether that option be Jalen Hurts being able to run the football. And it goes to show, I think that that speaks volumes. I also think that Shane Steichen's play calling was very, the past couple weeks have me very nervous. I get Jalen Hurts is coming back and hopefully that'll reopen the entire playbook and everything. But that's scary. The play, the, the play calling wasn't good in Chicago. The coaching staff has regressed over the last couple of weeks. Um, Except for Jonathan Gannon. I'm, I will. I don't feel prepared to point that. Like, the, And when you look at it, the Saints scored 20 points, but guess what? The defense is responsible for 13. He faced a decent quarterback against Dallas, and he went zone a lot, and he was 24, 24, 300 yards, three touchdowns. He doesn't. I'm scared when it comes to Gannon, when we face a competent quarterback, that's what worries me. You're going to be facing potentially Brady, Dak Prescott again, um, maybe Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm not scared of Kirk Cousins as much, but you're going to be facing a legit quarterback. And that's where, and again, Jonathan Gannon causes defense scared when he faces a, a, a quarter, like a really good quarterback. So while, yeah, the defense last week looked good, Andy Dalton stinks, but Andy Dalton was still really good against the zone. So, like, I, I still don't get it. Now, I do have a question for you. The, the pick six that Gardner Minshew threw, is that on Minshew or is that on A.J. Brown? Because we there's been talk, and especially in our group chats, about you know maybe it was on A.J. Brown because he didn't give his full effort, but then also A.J. Brown was trying to get Gardner Minshew's attention and Minshew didn't look at him. Like, who, whose fault do I you don't think, think that I, I don't agree. I think there's like a 50-50 blame on it. I don't think it's one way or the other as much as people want to point the finger. I don't think A.J. Brown was ready for the past necessarily if you give him he said he wasn't expecting it no and if you give him one more second he's in the middle of running a slant road that i guarantee there's going to be a window of opportunity to throw that ball but he doesn't give it that extra second he does that anticipation is is definitely something that that Hurts with Gardner Minshew. Jalen Hurts, his anticipation isn't always great either. Or, but he's able. His anticipation seems is on leaps and bounds ahead of Gardner Minshew because he can anticipate where somebody's gonna be and tries to throw to that spot. And this was one where it's almost like 
he expected A.J. Brown to just kind of curl in and stop. But it was a play that the ball needed to be more out in front of him, and the ball wasn't really out in front of him. Less blame goes to A.J. Brown than on the Quez Watkins ones of the week prior. Like, those were just, those look like Quez being Quez and not being able to be tough on a play. A.J. Brown seems like a miscommunication, a bad bad anticipation and but i don't really put anything i think i don't really put anything on aj brown giving up i don't i don't see where he gave up on the play i just think it was a bad miscommunication and a very bad decision making and anticipation on Minshew's part so if i were to put more blame it would probably be 75 25 in favor of Gardner Minshew. and if you look at marshawn Lattimore, he didn't look at aj brown once on that play his eyes were on Minshew the entire time from snap to throw he knew what was coming you got to realize the coverage while they did call that play earlier in the game, the coverage wasn't the same. Lattimore was off a little bit more this one. He was right in, in AJ Brown, like right up on AJ Brown. So I, I do agree. I think it's, it's on Minshew. It's also on site. Like you, ha- you have to, Steichen needs to be better with calling plays and like going into this week's game. Yes. You're going to have Jalen Hurts back. We don't know. He's probably not hundred percent, but he's got to be what? 80, 85, 90%. And then 80% Hurts is, Better yeah. than a hundred percent. I'm sorry. You're also probably, and if you if you look at the line, the Eagles are favored by 14. You're not going up against Kayvon Thibodeau, Ojalary, Xavier McKinn. You're not going up against the starters for the Giants. So I don't want to be given this false sense of security, false sense of hope this week. If we blow the Giants out, which I'll be happy, I'll be at the game. Like let's throw, let's have fireworks going, let's put up 50 points. But if you remember remember last year's season close season ender against Dallas, where we played our COVID team. Dallas went up, Dak threw for five touchdowns, and they were, like, all celebrating. And what did they do the next week? They lost to San Francisco. That's what fears – that's my fear going into this week's game, that the Eagles are going to come out. Jalen's going to look like the MVP candidate. They're going to throw up 35, 40, 50 points on the the, the Giants who aren't playing anybody. And then they're going to have the week off. They're going to be thinking all high and mighty on themselves and then go into that wild – or the divisional game. And then not show up. That's my worry going into this week's game against the Giants team that has nothing to play for. They're the sixth seed. They can't go to seven. They can't go up to five. They are the sixth seed. They know where they're going to be. It's just a matter of where they're traveling next week, which in theory it potentially uh, – no, never mind. Can be, Eagles are going to be the one, two, or the five. I was going to say it could be Philly again, but it won't, it won't be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my that's my worry going into this week's game. And – and it's not going to – even if the Eagles win this week, you know, the next two weeks as we're, as we're getting ready for the, for the divisional round, it's not going to be all hunky-gory. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled at where, where we're at now. It's going to be what team are we getting come Jan, the, the weekend of January 22nd? Yeah, this team that we were infatuated with at 13-1 and and the national media was all over. They were number one in most power rankings, unless you're at ESPN, where Dallas has always been ahead of us for some reason that we can't understand. But most places, we were one or we were two or we were three, and the only reason we weren't in in the other ones is that we weren't number one is because it was Patty Mahomes or Josh Allen. So we were always like right up there, and then suddenly that consistent play, that really incredible play that we saw that led us to 13 and one has become extremely inconsistent in recent weeks. And so many people just want to point a finger at somebody like in the Dallas game, it was Quez Watkins in the, in the saints game. It's what pointing the finger at the offensive coordinator at Shane Steichen because Shane Steichen's not playing. Some people are pointing the finger at Jonathan Gannon's defense that allowed only 13 points. Like at this point, the consistency isn't there and everybody's just looking to point a finger at somebody and it just 
it's little plays it, earlier in the season where we were making the plays that in prior seasons we wouldn't make or we were squeezing out those wins that we wouldn't get in prior se- prior seasons this we're back to that team and whether that's with or without Jalen Hurts things were looking a little more bumpy with Jalen Hurts after that first after that first loss to Washington things started to get a little bumpier he was still looking really good but there was still you know there was situations coming up bad plays interceptions turnovers were a huge thing we were starting to see that consistency went away and we're starting to really look like the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles of old over the last and it's not just the Minshew weeks I would argue over the last what four or five five weeks ever since the Washington loss I feel like we just haven't been that same Eagles team that was undefeated up until that point that we was up 10 and 0 up until that point um so that's my thing consistency has to come back and that doesn't just mean in play calling the consistency has consistency and confidence has to come back I think consistency on the field confidence off the field with the coordinators because I think that Shane Steichen has lost confidence or there's been a loss of confidence in their ability to call plays and in their ability to to coach and 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 game plan and adjust Another big thing was adjust. Adjustments take too long to happen and you're already behind two scores and you're behind the eight ball trying to come back. And we don't want that either. So I think it's a twofold thing that needs to happen to get back to that Eagles team that was 10 and 0. Yeah. Um, and do you think the Eagles have peaked? Like they obviously they were 10 and 0, they were 13 and 1. Then Jalen got hurt. Now Jalen getting hurt does change things, obviously, because he was playing at an MVP level. Um but and then Maddox got hurt, and now Jane, Lane Johnson got hurt. Even though Johnson says Josh Sweat, Josh Sweat got hurt last week. Like all the stuff they they weren't turning the ball over early. They've been turning the ball over a lot lately. All the stuff that they were doing well early in the season, they're not doing well the, these last couple of weeks. Did they peak? Is the coaching staff just they're not not getting to the players anymore? What do you think's happening? I think they could have continued to be that team and they can return to being that team. But like I said, that things need to change confidence in your play calling confidence in your players to do what they're paid to go out there and do. And then consistency on the field, whether it be turning the ball over, making the big plays, like the big plays disappeared, which we anticipated with Gardner Minshew going in and stuff like and injuries happen in the NFL. We've been the Eagles every year seem to be the ones who always get injured at the beginning and have to fight through injuries. Next man up approach this season. We're getting the injuries at the back end. But it, it still has to be we've been the next man up approach in the past and been able to pull out wins. We were next man up. We were the underdogs the year we won the Super Bowl. There was just as many injuries. For on that roster, if not more. And we've seen like seasons where we went through 13, 14 different offensive line combinations. We've been down this road before. And it just does I don't know if it's that the coaching staff's not getting to them. I'm not in the I'm not in the building, but I don't think it's that the coaching staff isn't getting to them. I think a lot, like especially the last two weeks where you start seeing people's comments and the way they're throwing people under the bus a little bit. Jalen Hurts is very important to that team locker room presence and ability to be on the football field. And I know that he was still in the locker room, but being in the locker room doesn't matter at the end of the day because you need to be playing and be able to say, I take accountability for this, or this is what I saw in the play, which is not the conversation that we're getting from some of these guys. I think Jalen Hurts being back is going to change things big time, but I also think like the plan has to remain twofold. Confidence in, from the coaching staff, consistency on the field has to start happening. And then the injuries, while they matter, won't matter as much. 
And I think him being out the last two weeks has proved how valuable he is, regardless of what Chris Sims and Micah Parsons and all those people say. And he may have earned himself a couple million dollars because he that his hurts, contract. That hurts Howie so bad, those two games, because now that's one of the things. If you're arguing, I'm a $45 million, and then Jalen's like, I think I'm a $50 million. He just proved he's probably the $50 million man, not the $45 million man. Yep. All right, so let's jump into this game, which – who would have thought maybe five weeks ago that the Eagles are have to play for something and the Giants aren't playing for something? Maybe I think we thought that the Giants would probably be playing for a playoff berth. The Eagles would be resting because they've already clinched the East and the number one seed. But alas, here we are. This game means something. Even 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 though I'm going to be there, I wish it wouldn't mean something. Um, and I hate that it's a 4:25 game. I would have much rather a one o'clock game. Uh, so it, it's it's it should be it still should be a fun time down at, at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, it hasn't been announced yet, but we all anticipate Jalen starting. Uh, so Chauncey Gardner Johnson probably playing, um, and and that'll be huge. Getting him back and getting his feet back under him, so that his first action is back isn't going to be in a playoff game. Um, but they're also going to be going up against Tyrod Taylor, um, not Saquon Barkley, not Daniel Jones. I mean, their receivers are a bunch of bums anyway. I was just so saying they're not resting. It doesn't really matter. Guys, their offensive line's not that good anyway. The starters aren't that good, so that's not going to matter. So the Eagles, who are fifth in NFL history in sacks right now, are five away from setting – and I know it's an extra game, but five away from setting the NFL record. And they've had five straight games, I believe, with six-plus sacks. So the, the chances of that happening are probably pretty pretty good this week unless, that, unless the Giants come out and run the ball every play. Um, but, you know, it does worry me that Tyrod Taylor can move around and – while he's not that good, I, I feel like, again, it wouldn't shock me if early in the game we see a soft zone, you know, very passive defense by Gannon and, and the Giants go right down the field, go up 7 nothing, and we're going to be sitting there holding our breath in a game that the Eagles should blow the Giants out. Absolutely, and I think a positive for Brian Dayball is – Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor are very similar from a play style, I find. So he doesn't really have to change the playbook very much. He's he can go out there. Though. I think he, Taylor's more accurate. Than yeah, him. I think Taylor's more accurate too, which is all the more reason to be a little more concerned about it because you can't take your foot off the gas. This is one of those games where you got to go in hot and you got to stay that way the entire game. Like you said, are all the rest starters going to be rested? No, but I anticipate, you know, Dexter Lawrence. Kayvon Thibodeau, probably. If they play, they might play a quarter. I don't foresee very much. You're talking, you said the offensive line isn't great, but I could see Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, the tackles coming out just for the safety sake of we need those guys to give have any chance in the playoffs. I Obviously, the tight end's going to be out there. Bellinger will be out there. The wide receivers will be out there. Saquon won't be there. Uh, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love probably won't be there. Like, I can see, like, you know, six or seven key guys, but we're not talking a complete backup squad here. There are going to be a fair amount of starters, I think, out there, and I think that that's why you cannot take this team for granted at all because this is a team that has somehow been able to squeeze out. The Giants are who I thought the Commanders would be, to be honest. I thought the Commanders were a couple pieces away, but they could really get there. They showed that they're still a quarterback away and still likely a couple other pieces elsewhere away, but the Giants literally have almost nothing beyond Saquon Barkley and a pretty solid defensive line and a couple good safeties. They have almost nothing everywhere else, a bunch of scrubs everywhere else on that roster. And they're way ahead. Like they can, they're a good off season build away from 
competing. I hate to say it because we, you know, usually what we generally like is, you know, one team moves up, one team moves down, but I still think the NFC East could be kind of an NFC beast next season, especially if Washington figures it out and the Giants figure it out. Um, well, if the Giants get like, the con, if the Giants resign Jones, then they still have their shot. Jones stinks. I don't care what people say. He's Jones awful. definitely stinks, but I mean, he's proven enough to be a bridge court. Like he's not a guy who's going to command $30, $40 million. I think you, you're in a spot where you can get him locked in for three years at something like, I don't know, 66 million or something. Keep him around maybe two years, maybe one year, maybe the franchise. I don't even know what they would end up doing with Daniel Jones, but I think they're going to want to see one more year out of him and see what they can put around him. And if it doesn't work, then they're going to be one of those teams out there looking for a bridge quarterback again. In like we're seeing a lot of teams do. Um, but I mean, it's still not a team to scoff at and just say, oh, we're going to we're going to easily put up four or five scores. We do have to remember Jalen Hurts is a couple weeks removed. How good is his shoulder? And 80 percent Jalen Hurts is probably not putting up 50, but probably take away 20 percent of the points there or take away a couple scores like we may not get that type of score and power. Um but I mean, this should definitely be like a run game. This feels like a game where you, if if Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau come out early and they're going to the backups and they're going to lean on them, it feels like set a good time to, you know, get that running game going, get that running attack going again, showing that it hasn't completely disappeared. Because like you said, LJ, while running doesn't necessarily, running has never really won anyone the Super Bowl, you kind of need a good balance between pass and run and over the past two to three weeks we've been a lot more on the pass and completely not even using and running back who's likely not going to be back on roster next year run that man into the ground there's no reason that he's not seeing 15 to 20 carries weekly especially with the backup quarterback and we shouldn't be running we shouldn't be running you know Jalen Hurts 17 times like he did in the Chicago game and you can see it last week and you had mentioned earlier how Hurts could have made a, a, a big difference in the game plan or in the game against the Saints, but the Saints defensive ends did not respect Gardner Minshew keeping the ball. They knew he wasn't going to keep it. That that if you're running the RPO, they knew it was just a run. Um, you know, and if you if you looked at any of the replays, you saw the defensive end crashing down wide open on that side. If Gardner Minshew could have would have kept it, he could have made five, five yards, six yards of carry and, and that could have helped the offense. But you're right, like there was no reason for Miles Sanders to only have 12 carries last week. Like, and I think that was a season low, maybe. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he may have had a, a couple of games where it was, was a little lower, but still 12 carries and he averaged over five yards a carry like that. That's inexcusable by this all, uh, offensive coaching staff. Um, it could get to a point in the game. And, and as, a, as an Eagles fan, you hope like the Eagles get up by three, four scores. And, and and they take Jalen out because obviously you don't want Jay you're going up against a, a bunch of backup players that are trying to prove that they deserve and I think you mentioned this last week they're, they're going up they could be going up against a bunch of backup players that deserve or that want to show they deserve some playing time in the playoffs and if they can get a shot on Jalen Hurts it wouldn't shock me if they tried to get a shot on Jalen Hurts um, and, and that would ruin our chances going forward into the playoffs this is in 2017 I don't think Minshew can do what Foles did the Foles magic um, I don't know if we we will have Minshew magic but Jalen Hurts has to be on the field for the Eagles to have any shot of winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And also, like, I mean, you're looking at a bunch of backups play, and, like, this is something even Minshew should be able to accomplish something in because – 
we talked about oh new orleans and dallas defenses aren't that great new orleans is ninth in yards allowed and dallas is 13th in yards allowed the new york giants are 24th in yards allowed they allow over oh, nearly 360 yards per game like this is something even Minshew should be able to conquer but we're forced to turn over to jalen hurts because Minshew hasn't been able to conquer much and i agree with you i think they ran they threw the ball way too much which and they saw the weaknesses in Gardner Minshew's game, which made they made them more confident in, you know, maybe loading the box up, bringing an extra guy down, like just letting the defensive line pin their ears back and say, go and get them. We know they're not going to run the ball much. It completely shifts things, even if the running game isn't going well. Look back to the Washington Commanders game where we say, okay, they, yeah, sure, the Washington Commanders ran for three yards per carry, but they dominated the time of possession. They ran the ball. What was it like? 40-something times. Like, it was crazy. They ran the ball a ton. It wasn't effective, but it was enough to put them in manageable situations, and it was enough to put them in a situation to win the football game. And Shane Steichen hasn't leveraged that running game at all. Like, even if you look at last week, Boston Scott carried the ball twice. Minshew once. We ran the ball 15 times and made Minshew throw the ball 42 times. Why would a defense respect your run game? Why would a defense respect a your backup quarterback? It's it, 100%. It's almost as disastrous as a game plan that was called against Chicago. But for the flip side. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do on the offensive side. Obviously, we don't expect Jalen to run as much, but I, I said it before. Josh Allen, after he had that elbow injury, it was, dude, don't get hurt. And just when you when – you, when you're when you play and your mindset has always been one way out on the football field, it's tough to take to take that away. So I mean, J- Jalen is going to be have to be protected from Jalen. So, and it's not like the offensive line was bad. Yeah, they gave up the the Saints had what six sacks last week, but a lot of that was Gardner Minshew holding on to the football or or stepping into sacks. You know, Jack Driscoll wasn't he obviously wasn't Lane Johnson, who's the best right tackle or best tackle in football, but he was still serviceable. Um, you know, Cameron, I think it was – no, it was uh, was it Ellis. It was somebody's fir- – the first sack of the game, um, Miles Sanders whiffed on the line, on, on the end, their linebacker. So you just have to have better play. You can't be whiffing on plays like that. Um, and let them th- – this is a better run-blocking offensive line than it is a pass-blocking offensive line. So while they're going to be out there, let them go out there and do what they do best, and that's, and that's ram it right down the throats of the opposing team. And the fact that they could, the Eagles couldn't get the fourth and inches on a QB sneak with Minshew, that's all I needed to see because, again, what does is, what is Kelsey say? 92% of the time it works all the time. And with Jalen, it seems to work most of the time. They failed twice against Green Bay, and that may have been it. Well, the fact that they failed that last week was ridiculous, and it's not it's definitely not the same when Minshew's out there compared to when Hurts is out there. No, definitely not. The offense looks completely different. And, uh, and I mean, like you said, Jack Driscoll, he wasn't great, but he was serviceable. That's, but that is also Minshew needs to understand. He doesn't have the best right tackle in football. Well, the coaching staff needs to understand that too. Yeah, you can't. They didn't no, they didn't give him any help, which is which was one of my I think that was one of my things that I said on the Tuesday night show where we were or the Friday night show where we were previewing the game. I said, if you don't give Jack Driscoll help over there, it's gonna be a long night. And it ended up being a long night off that right side because they didn't give any help. They didn't use any chipping, any anything. Even a chip can buy you that half a second or that second that he can find the window to throw the football. This isn't a guy like 
this wasn't an offense built to get the ball out quick for Minshew. This also is not an offensive line that can withstand a guy like I saw Shane's post. Like there was times where he stood in the pocket for four five and six seconds before taking the sack. Like that is insane. Or before vacating the pocket, like that is insane. You should never be whole. If you're holding the ball for six seconds, well, watching some tape on like, you know, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, those guys have that type of time because their offensive lines are absolute studs. You got a backup right tackle out there. Like you're in a situation, you got a left side of the line that has been good, but not great in recent weeks. Like you can't be leaning. You can't sit back there for six seconds and not have found something, anything, or the, just the opportunity to throw the football away. Like just having the awareness to throw the football away. Again, the awareness and anticipation not there with Gardner Minshew at all, where it, it's something we became more accustomed to with Jalen Hurts and how he's been playing recently. But it's it was frustrating the past two weeks, past three weeks, I guess you could argue, because of the Chicago Bears game. It's been frustrating because Shane Steichen's play calling has regressed. I think if you're looking at him as a, if you looked at him as a top head coaching candidate, I'm probably sitting there saying, I got to see what he does in the playoffs now because the last three weeks have made me think if I was evaluating him, I'd leave him another year. This is one of those offensive coordinators who, okay, interview him, see what he says, but it almost feels like, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs guy, whatever's whatever's why he isn't getting hired. I can't even understand it. But at the end of the day, like it's those types of situations, these situations where say this week doesn't go well, we go into the playoffs, we're out in the first round, or we lose the opportunity for a buy after pretty much owning the opportunity. All we could lose, all we needed was one of three games. Then you got to look at Shane Steichen and say, I don't know if he's the guy anymore. And I'm struggling right now with it because, yeah, the play calling's been bad. The consistency on the field's been bad. But, I mean, I feel like the play calling's been worse what, than the consistency of play. Would Sirianni need to be questioned, too, if they lose this week and lose out on the first round by? Like, that that's like on Sirianni as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Sirianni would have to take some accountability to it, but it depends. Like if Shane Steichen's calling 100% of the plays, but if you get to that point, I think the discussion has to be had, is it time maybe that you give up the play calling or was he a byproduct of Jalen Hurts? Is Shane Steichen's really well-functioning offense a byproduct of having to have a mobile Jalen Hurts or a mobile quarterback? Because then you have to rethink how you would bring him in as a coach altogether because you'd have to be like, well, now we need to look at like a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson or somebody who gives him a really mobile quarterback or a guy who's going to move around because that's the only way the offense succeeds. It's so difficult to tell what's going on there. Um, And at the end of the day, I mean, I don't necessarily believe Gannon and Shane Steichen should be at the top of head coaching lists anymore at this point, as much as everybody wants Gannon gone, which is fine. And he was going to probably interview incredibly well. The consistency just hasn't been there in recent weeks. And I think they have a lot to prove in the playoffs to become coaches, but obviously this isn't all about the coaches, but. All right. So we know that the giants probably aren't going to play any of their heavy hitters. The Eagles are going to be starting hurts with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, you know, the offensive line minus Lane Johnson. What are your expectations? What are you looking for in this game? Um, to take something – it's going to be tough to take something positive if you're beating a bunch of backups. We're not Dallas fans. Like, they all got happy – you know, they were all hunky-gory over beating the Eagles last year, week 18, with Dak's five touchdown passes, knowing we played a, a COVID team. Like, so what are you what, – what would make you happy? What would make you say this is positive going 
going into you know the playoffs. I think getting this offense back on track is, is a positive for me. If you go out there and you end up in a 21 to 17 game and that's all you can end up mustering, I'm concerned. I'm really nervous. But if we can go out there and I get it, it's scrubs. So we've seen them play earlier in the year where they were able to put up 30, 40, nearly 50 points. You go out there against these scrubs and you score anything less than like 35 Unless you get up three scores, Minshew comes in and then it's the most boring second half of life and it stays a three-score game and nobody ever scores again. Okay, that's fine. I'm fine with that. It's situational. But if we're not out there scoring at least 30 points, that that would be a disappointment. I want I'm not so worried about the defense. Maybe he maybe Gannon will give me reason to worry about the defense, but Gannon gives me pause. Not worry. Every game he gives me reason to pause, question him, and then the defense seems to fall back in line a little bit as the game goes on. But we need to see things moving forward for this offense and getting back to the offense that led us to 10 and 0 that led us to 13 and 1 that led us to this opportunity that all we need is one damn game and here we are three weeks later needing that one damn game still yeah it'd be nice to see some consistency and not turning the football over um and, and and actually forcing turnovers again the first 10 games of the year they were number one in the league and i think the last six games they've been last in the league when it comes to the, to, to just being able to turn the ball over or um with their uh, they're losing the turnover battle and the, the time battle. of possession battle a lot and that is the, the 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 script the script was perfect like teams are playing into the script that we said before and people were like oh the blueprint's not really there i don't know ever since that colts game it feels like a lot of Teams are coming in there with an idea of a blueprint or even the Washington game. Yeah, like it feels like teams are coming in there with an idea of at least if it's not a blueprint, it's certainly a way to beat this team or a way to control this team. You take it's not necessarily the turnover battle. We need to win time of possession. You have to all our losses have come when we've lost the time of possession battle. And usually it was a pretty significant loss. And we were on a historic rate of scoring in the second quarter and just haven't been able to the last couple of weeks either. So hopefully they figure it out, straighten it out going into the playoffs. I would not – it would really be a bum if we, we were sitting here talking about pretend, uh, we should have gotten a first-round bye and we have to go to Tampa next week. And I, and, and after last year, like, I don't know – I don't want that. And, you know, Brady – Tampa's getting healthier. Like, Vita Vey might be – Vita Vey's yeah, supposed so. to be back. And then you got that – the tackle that they were missing coming back. Like Jansen might be – their bad, center might be back. So. Yeah, this is a bad time to play them because even though they haven't been great this year, you get two, three of those bodies back that, of the, what, like 15 they've been missing this season. Yeah. Like, they can easily do similar to last year to us. Yeah, yeah so hopefully – um, they win, and obviously I want a good game, be, being as I'll be there. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. All right. So what's your prediction for the game? I predict we're I predict we're gonna do. I think we're gonna get we're gonna get this first round by, and we're gonna dominate because I think Jalen Hurts is gonna come out there. This team plays for him. This team loves him. I'm starting to think maybe Sirianni bit, laid the culture or the framework for it. And Jalen hurts was the guy because it feels like this team and this offense plays and runs way better when Jalen hurts is out there. And yes, you build the playbook for it and stuff, but it just feels like even when you hear, see them interacting on the field and talking and the interviews post game, it just feels so much better when it's Jalen hurts that hurts at quarterback versus Gardner Minshew. I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to get that like 35 to I'm, I'm going to give them 17. 
35 to 17 for the Eagles. I think I think the fourth quarter, Jalen Hurts will be able to come out. I'm hoping by the start of the second half that all the starters can come off. We have a nice three-score cushion, and we can just put it on cruise control and, sadly, LJ, expect a boring second half. I hope. <laughs> but if it's a really good first half, it, then, you know, it, we're popping, bo- we're popping bottles, and hopefully we're popping bottles in the second half. <laughs> and, and just it's going to be a coronation. Uh, for the NFC East uh, champions. I, I'm going to say 31-14. Um, set and and Hurts will be able to come out late third, early fourth, and, and it'll be a coordination, you know, in the fourth quarter, a bunch of celebrating as the Eagles will clinch the, the NFC East, uh, the number one seed, and we'll get ready for the, the divisional round in two weeks. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's tough to be positive right now after what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, with the way the coaching staff is, the way and, and again, it's going to be a different quarterback too. So like, we're not going to be sitting here, we're not going to sit here and say, oh, we got to watch Gardner Minshew in the playoffs. I don't want that. And again, you're going up against a bunch of backups that are going are out to prove they deserve some playing time. So that worries me a little bit in terms of going after some of our players, cheap shots, or just playing. You know, we always say play to the whistle, but we know like not everybody plays to the whistle, but some of these guys. For the Giants might, and that could put some of our guys in harm. But we'll see. We'll see if you know Devonte Smith can get what is he seventy one yards away from twelve hundred. Um, yeah, and then like AJ Brown's nine yards from setting yes. a franchise record. Yes, I get it. It's seventeen games, but this is a new standard, so we can't just keep bringing it up. There's not. You can put the asterisks there if you want, but at the end of the day, the accomplishments this team's had this year, it would be so degrading. To end not up to not get in the first round by, to not win the division, it would be such a degrading thing to just see. Like every single week, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles Twitter, go back through franchise yeah. record, franchise record, NFL record, NFL record, franchise record, career highs. Like it's been such a special team in such a special year that over the last three to f- five weeks feels like it's been derailed and it's it's been frustrating. So hopefully we get it back on the rails. We have a good game this week. Get that first week by and just fingers crossed. I don't want to say shit about the playoffs right now. I don't want to jinx nothing. I know. And we'll see if the Eagles can uh, break the NFL record in sacks in the season. They're five, I think, five away from tying, six away from taking one of them. It's either five from I think taking it's five it. from tying and six five from, from taking. Okay. And again, they've had six plus sacks in five straight games. All right, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Kelly Green Hour here. Oh, and Connor, we're blaming you for last week because what didn't you do at the end? You better do it this time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, thank you all for tuning in to our early edition of the Kelly Green Hour. As always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Um, if I remember, I'll post some pictures from the game um, this Sunday against the Giants. But for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for tuning in to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly Eagles fly. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Yeah. Yeah.